0: I love saying publicly, I'm an existential phenomenologist. So I think that, you know, the task of philosophy primarily is to describe things, describe phenomena, and as they pertain to our existence. And, um, when it comes to the question of, say, of meaning, then, um, you know, I'm with, I think it's Merleau Ponty who says that, you know, we're not condemned to freedom, like Sartre says. We're condemned to meaning. Um, and what he means by that is that, is, uh, the world, uh, is significant. It just is that the way things hang together in any place in the room that you're in, uh, wherever you are, they, uh, hang together. They, they, they refer to one another. And those things constitute, uh, a significant context where you happen to find yourself. But there's nothing deep about that. That significance is just what it is to be in a world. So it's meaningful if, you know, when I get up in the morning and I, um, I don't know, stumble through my routines and put the kettle on and make a cup of tea. It's it, the, the kettle is significant because it heats water. And the tea bag is significant because it infuses tea into the hot water. And then it's significant that I drink the tea and so on and so forth. But everyday life is, is a network of, of, um, of things and relations between things, which are significant. But that significance itself is not a deep significance. We just, we notice it when, um, it doesn't function. And we notice it when it's gone. And that, that throws up the question of, you know, meaninglessness when things cease to become, cease to have meaning. That's uh, that's maybe when questions begin to start. In a sense, one kind of delusion that we live in is the idea of um, that things are explained by the brain. I don't think they are. I think it's a question of you, you don't, not to look, inwards but to look outwards to look at uh social practices social structures to observe um observe what you're doing and you're making tea because that could just be a habit you know i just make tea in the morning it's something i do it could be something i don't do on a certain day um i was teaching william james and, uh, William James's essays in radical empiricism. He's totally, um, you know, not only involved in science, but basically establishes the science of psychology in the United States. But for James, um, there is, uh, what, he's, what he calls radical empiricism it just begins from this, begins and ends from this idea that there's experience and this experience is a plural uh, sort of concatenation of stuff to which we can add other things all the time. It has the structure of, uh, the image that James uses it is a, is a, a mosaic, right? It, it's, he says that his thinking is a mosaic philosophy in the sense of a, you know, a floor mosaic. And so I, you know, we all live in our little mosaics with our pieces of, you know, stuff stuck together. And that is our world, let's say the world of our, Childhood or our infancy, and then you know, hopefully, as we grow, we get that mosaic gets bigger and larger, and then that mosaic can be filled with different contexts, languages, um, knowledge of science or whatever it might be. But all that is uh, all that is happening is that mosaic is expanding, kind of laterally, right? Um, the point being that for James. There's experience, uh, which should be described. And there's nothing, the, um, there's no bedding, there's no sublime cause behind experience. There's no, there's nothing hidden, right? There's no kind of big thing that's hidden. There's just more little things, right? And, and I think the best way of thinking about, yes, thinking about say, science is that science is about Getting to know more about more little things. And then it, you expand the mosaic, right? Meaning is something we make. Absolutely. Uh, but the world into which we, the world where we find ourselves, whatever world that is, is a world where meaning has already been made, right? The structures of significance, the structure of what has uh, significance and value, um, are a world that we, we find, right? You know, Wittgenstein used to ponder this idea of a philosopher writing a book called The World We Found. That the world is, uh, it's always a world that we, we inherit. It has a certain structure that was made. That was not, um, that was not always the case. There's historical change. So the, so the world that we, we find out we, that we're born into is a world that was made as a world that can be can be remade, um, and certain people have the skill, the ability, the genius, the, the good fortune to be people that can make that meaning and a remake that meaning in a particularly powerful way. Right? Shakespeare, you know, inherited a world. He didn't was well, he didn't drop from the sky, right? He inherited a world and he inherited uh, a whole set of conventions and then new conventions were appearing linked to the emergence of theatre in um in the Elizabethan period and then and Shakespeare also inherited a whole bundle of stories that went together with that world right stories that you know, of kings of queens um, or stories from the mythic past like Lear and Macbeth and then he remakes them in the form of plays, and um, so it's. Um, I think it's always like that. I think if you like culture, is uh, culture is the place where we can remake meaning, and and certain people get to be really good at it. Right? You know, um, there's uh, and there are people who are not very good at it. You know, who are, are, who are not fortunate in that regard if you think about things musically i think it's really helpful because music is always about um impure impure kind of hybrid forms of uh cultural influence right you can't isolate yeah you can't all these traditions say the musical traditions of the south they're all cross-pollinating and moving back and forth geographically, you know, and it's and it's and it's also crossing, you know, what they used to call in the you know, until the forties and you know, the race line in very powerful ways. Right? If you think about I mean one standard view of sort history of American music is you have to go back to the blues and jazz. Sure. That's that's a huge part of the story, but then what was going on in the, you know, the hills of Kentucky and and uh, eastern Tennessee and you know poor white people who were who had brought uh, folk traditions from uh, the British Isles that then they were fiddling and you know and dancing and that and that happens. You've got blue and then that produces new forms. So it's um, music is a really good way of thinking about uh remaking as a kind of without what will what, we'll not want to use the word it, you know uh pejoratively kind of bastard assemblies that we we put things together in new ways and then remake meaning and you can say similar things in relation to literature and many other things as well but music is really good because you can hear it you can you hear a song and then you so, well, listen to this song 20 years earlier. There's a great, uh, distinction in, um, in Husserl between, um, sedimented and reactivated tradition. So the problem with traditions is that when traditions go dead, they become sedimented, like, like, just like a sediment at the bottom of, say, a, a fish tank or something. And, uh, what is requires culturally philosophically is to reactivate those traditions um, mess up that sediment and then to reshape it in a different way so the um, yeah the, I mean that that's how that's how change happens through uh, through alterations of understandings of tradition by reactivating them you know sports are really good examples because they're they're ways in which knowledge is embedded over generations. I mean baseball would be a, I think there's a powerful example in the US. The way you know, this extraordinary knowledge that baseball fans have about the game statistics and they can tell you stories that go back generations. There's something about sports which is a, where it's able you're able to kind of see all the all of that um, all that stuff playing out in relationship to deeply held forms of loyalty and sen- sentiment. And uh, that's uh, it's really important. Making Meaning is a limited series from Ministry of Ideas. It is produced by me, Zachary Davis, and Jack Pombriand. If you enjoyed this episode, you can support us by sharing the show with your friends, subscribing, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. For more information, visit our website at ministryofideas.org. You can connect with us on Twitter where we're at Ministry of Ideas. You can also email us at zachary@ministryofideas.org. We would love to hear from you. Ministry of Ideas is a proud member of Hub & Spoke, a Boston-centric collective of smart, idea-driven podcasts. You can check out all of our shows at hubspokeaudio.org.